0: Hello and welcome to Off Track, the Lockdown Series. Uh, in today's episode, I'm going to be chatting to one of the sports larger than life characters, Roger Bromley. Uh, Roger, thank you for doing this today. Um, so uh, how are you? Where, where are you?
1: Uh, I'm all right, thanks very much. I'm, uh, I'm in Eastbourne, which is on the south coast between Brighton and Hastings, if that makes it any clearer to any of you up northerners.
0: I'm, <laughs> it does. It does be- very good. And in terms of uh, Eastbourne, it's a bit of a hotbed uh, for former One stock car drives, isn't it now,
1: I think? It is, yeah, actually. We've got the uh, very, very lovely Kelvin uh, Hassel, who, uh, whose workshop I went to about six months ago. Uh, he's just up the road, and uh, I was passing, and I thought, that looks like where Kelvin hangs out, so I'll pop in there. And there he was with a, a mate, and... Uh, we had a good natter, lovely, lovely fella. And then, oddly enough, I was, again, about, probably a little bit before that, actually, I was, I was going into town to Waitrose to pick up some shopping. And uh, I, I was driving down the hill uh, toward, into Eastbourne, and there's a dirty great truck parked on the side of the road uh, with the name Sawder on the side of it. And I looked on the opposite side, and there's Mick Sorda uh hanging hanging himself on the side of a uh, well not literally hanging himself after have to say, uh-huh. leaning leaning against a, uh <laughs> leaning against the lamppost i don't know whether he was looking for trade or what but uh <laughs> i stopped and uh <laughs> and had a had a natter with him which was a, a bit spooky but eerie seeing him there it's, it's quite surprising you wouldn't have thought it in eastbourne
0: of all places to have all no, these uh, Anyway, 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 so um, I guess for fans relatively new to the sport, uh, they may know you as a driver who races, races one of Ryan's cars, but your stock car history is a lot longer than that, isn't it? So do you want to give us a bit of a, a potted history of your, your stock car career?
1: Stock cars went back to me, uh, back to 1990-something, ni- What do you know, by the way, it's 1990-something. Some hmm. And, uh, and I was basically I'd just I was just, in the, I'd just gone to college and I'd, I'd done a couple of years of college and uh, I took out a bank, I, I, I used to go and watch stock cars all over the place, I used to go and watch your times and stuff and I thought I'd, I'd like to have a go at that and I, uh, I had a little bit of cash and I went to old man Frankie Wayman, uh, who at the time wasn't such an old man and said can I borrow you, or can I rent one of your cars? He used to rent cars those days and that's what I did and I had a little go at a little go around Northampton, which was absolutely terrifying. And uh, and yeah, that was my first experience. And from there, I uh, I don't know why I got the book, but I did. And I ended up buying uh, an old wreck of a car uh, for 400 quid from a guy called Kev Burns, uh, a real old wreck of a car, which was fabulous and taught me how, uh, just about everything I know about welding, because that seems such a wreck. Uh, yeah, and, and then I went, uh, I, I got a, I bought a car off of Stevie Hodgson. Uh, yeah, a really, a really epic, epic car that was way above any of my skill levels. But, uh, I had a good go at doing that, you know, making some nice, made, made it look nice, made it look pretty, had all pretty pictures all over it and, uh, and raced that. The first meeting out was at Coventry where I had a, uh, throttle jam wide open, uh, and went into the wall, uh, nice. a, and start for the straight, put it in the uh, put it in the barrier, uh, knocked myself out, uh, pretty much wrecked the car actually. But uh, thanks to young Frankie Wayman, uh, in fact, to old, it was actually the old man who said, Get it to get it to the farm, we'll fix it, lad. And so I took it to the farm, and that's what they did, they straightened it out and got it going again, and uh and they're on its history, really. So I, I got up to, I think with yellow with that car uh, and and some, it was an epic piece of kit, but it was just wrecked really by the time I'd had that shunt. It was a big shunt. Yeah. So after kind of a, a bit of a career in F1s,
0: you, you left, uh, did some rebel racing and you ended up racing radicals on the circuits. Um, it's a very different world, I guess, from stock cars, but are there
1: any similarities
0: between the two?
1: Radicals are an extraordinary piece of kit, really. They are about as close to a, a full Le Mans car as you can get. And that's probably a foreign language to most people. But basically, a, a Le Mans car is like an F, a, 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 a Formula One Grand Prix car with bodywork. That's effectively what a Le Mans car is. Uh, and the sort of money that goes at that level is ginormous. Uh, Radicals is the sort of uh, a couple of steps down from that. And yeah, it's it's very, very different because, of course, we don't just turn left, we turn right. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, um, and we are going at lunatic speeds uh, at Emola uh, a couple of years ago. Guess, sorry, quite a few years ago. At uh, the end the start, finish straight, so it was doing 181 when I hit the brakes. And yeah, bear in Yeah, and here's the story, really. The, the 181 doesn't matter. What matters is that you hit the brakes for the for the right turn of the chicane. You hit the brakes at roughly a hundred meters before the board, so it's you know you you you're slowing down to about forty miles an hour in no time at all. What's that? you asked if they were similar. I'll tell you what the similarities between radicals and F ones are: is that you need a lot of you need a lot of balls to race both of them. Uh, I believe, yeah. and uh, the people. Do it are exactly the same. They're they're people who race cars and people who spectate are the same people at this, you know, the higher levels of circuit racing as they are at uh, at Formula One stock cars. So, both are brilliant, both are absolutely extraordinary.
0: Okay, it's lovely. Um, In terms of what you do, uh, you are a race instructor in Radicals, um, and I know you've had a few. Uh, F1 stock car drivers out with you on test days. So, who would you say out of the people you've taken out on track is the best racing driver? The best racing driver for a radical. That went in the radical, yeah. That you kind of go, yeah, they they were the best out of the people I took rounds. or
1: they went rounds. Well, it's a hard one. There's been there's been quite a few of the boys who've been in who have got into the uh, the radical and all have enjoyed it. I've had a laugh with all of them because they're all. Well, I mean, you know, I, I like I like them. I wouldn't be in the car otherwise. Uh, I'm afraid to say that although Frankie Wayman Junior was very good, he wasn't as quick as his little kid, little really? Ted. Uh, yeah, Ted was. Ted was. Ted had it pretty much nailed on quicker than the others. Frankie got quite quick, but not as not as quickly as uh, as little Ted as little Frankie Wayman Junior 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 did. Uh, but there's been others as well, and all of them been good. You know that yeah. if you've got the if you've got the now said race a car, an F one car around a stock car track, you can definitely, definitely do a, a radical and they yeah. So when they came out and um, jumped out of the car after doing
0: the test with you, um, did they go, I want to do that, or were they like, no, I want to do stock car still. Was there?
1: Uh, I, I think there's a I think it's a bit outside. Of, I think radicals are a bit outside of people's comfort zone. You know. Uh, it's a very different, it's a very different skill set and you're traveling in a very different way. In an F1 stock car, you're up high and there's a massive load of grunt from low down. And and your speeds really, you know, round a bend, I guess, uh, on tarmac is 40, 45 miles an hour at the top end, it's sort of 80-ish, 70, 80 miles an hour. Whereas a radical, you know, we don't start even looking at things before, you know, about sixty miles an hour, and then it goes as as I say as as far pretty much as far as you can. So I think people like their comfort, that's what they want and, and the boys, the F1 boys who've been in my car, have all preferred F1 stock cars, yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so kind of when you came back into Formula One, you initially hired off Chris Cowley, uh, Bradley Harrison, yep. and the 2014 meeting, uh, the Garland meeting at Birmingham, you hired off Ryan. So why, why did you go with Ryan? What was the decision making behind that?
1: It's easy, really. Uh, the, you mentioned the two names beforehand. I mean, Chris was Chris is a superstar, man, as is his dad, as is his mum, the whole gang of them. Uh, I, I rented that car because I knew Chris really well. I knew his dad really well. i raced with Rob back in the day. And uh, it's fair to say that, uh, you know, when I, when I raced their car, They've got a garage, you know, it's at the side of the house. And I, you know, causing damage to them is a big deal. You know, it's yeah. not so... so it, it I was really very tentative about doing anything to the... Any, you know, getting into any trouble because I knew it caused them a load of ag. Uh, so it was a bit of a one-off with them. Uh, Bradley, again, was a one-off because I kind of got my... I wanted to get in, the, in into, the, into the semifinals. And uh, yeah. that was an option... You know, I, at the time I didn't have an option with Chris because uh, he was in that that race. So very kindly Bradby, who wasn't going for uh, to try and get in a semi, to so me his car and very kind too. And what a lovely—I mean, there's another gang of a family, isn't there? the Harrison lot? They're beautiful as well. Uh, and then so so why Ryan? Because you look at the standards of car preparation you look at the safety you look at the way they put things together and the care and attention to detail and that's everything to do with uh, a radical you know there is no bolt that is left unchecked there is nothing that you can do that's n- that's not enough uh, th- that's enough so uh I, and i like that their approach to that i looked at the way the car was put together it's really well built and i thought that's where I need my uh, needs. And they've, they've also got the backup. They've got a big workshop, lots of experience. You know, if I train the car, they can deal with that. Okay. And then, so that kind of started off your relationship with Ryan, I guess.
0: Um, so 20, 2015 onwards, um, you hired off Ryan. Um, why did you never
1: buy a car? Why was it, I'm gonna hire instead of, of actually going out and buying one myself? Uh, I spend most of my time between central London and Eastbourne and, uh, you know, I I also so so first of all, there's a problem with a workshop, but secondly, uh, which is very difficult to central London, it's impossible, uh, <laughs> and, and it's an awful long way to be away in Eastbourne. But on top of that, you know, most of my weekends uh, during the race season are spent with radicals. Uh, I, you know, it's it's something that I have to do. It, it earns me money. I enjoy it a lot. So it's probably better that uh, you know I hire and and then I, I just turn up with a helmet. And drive the car. And, and to be fair, I've spent a lot of years, uh, you know, all hours of the day and night, welding, fixing, repairing, stripping, full on stock cars, you know, all the cars that I've owned has all, always been, i run them myself and I've built them myself after the season. I think I've, I've served me time with that. I'm quite happy for, to let somebody else do that for me.
0: <laughs> so you <laughs> like this turning up with your helmet and your bag and just... Re- good, I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's fair to say um, that you and Ryan um, have quite different personalities. yet you, you have um, quite an unlikely great friendship. Um,
1: why is that, do you think? You know, I think yeah, the thing about Ryan is he's kind of bouncy and bubbly and bounces off everyone Has a really good... No, it's fair to say that... <laughs> It's a bit of a quiet guy but you know he's not that different at all and, and the funny thing is that you know ryan has uh, a really not nice, really lovely personality he's got a great family and when you scratch the surface of ryan and get down underneath it he's he's just the same as you and i you know i, I i'm very very fond of ryan i'm very fond of his entire family uh, so, yeah, there's, he's, a special, he's a special guy in many, many ways. And I think uh, much maligned, uh, and I understand that. I understand why people see it like that. I understand that he sometimes brings it on himself, and that's fine too, but he is all right. He's an all right boy, really. And uh, do you think it kind of helps you,
0: in terms of you come back into Formula One? Obviously, it was very different from when you last raised, you know, with Ryan and Murray giving you lots of hints and tips, and did you gladly take them on board, or was it a bit, I know, I know what I'm doing here?
1: No, I didn't know what it was doing at all because, it was a very, you know, it's moved on such a long way in the time that I'd been away. And as well, my, my driving standards had changed entirely as a result of the circuit. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time doing testing. Well, a lot of time I did sort of three or four tests, uh, you know, away from stock car meetings in the car. And of course, you know, if those if those two, if you're not going to listen to those two boys, who am I going to listen to? Yeah. You know, Ryan and Murray are very, very, very knowledgeable. And so anything that they can give me, I'll take on board. Absolutely. Good. Um, so if we think
0: about your stock car career so far, is there one standout moment that would beat all others? <sighs>
1: Uh, you know, that, I mean, <laughs> in terms of happiness, good grief, yeah, absolutely, winning my first race. Yeah, dead simple. Uh, I mean, that, it was, you know, t- okay, I did it, I, I did it in a Ryan car, I, you know, it wasn't one of the cars that I built, although I'd had a couple of seconds and thirds of in my own cars, but suddenly it had the kit behind me and the, the right engine, the right tyres, and... You know, somehow uh, I'm. You know, I managed to drag myself up to standards of that and, and get a race, and it was incredible. Uh, it's also difficult to, to to say that that. I mean, it was best the best moments, but also winning the final at Van uh, yeah, with a huge yeah. red was mind-blowingly good. I mean, it was like, what have I just done? Uh, yeah, extraordinary moments.
0: I wasn't at Benray, but I saw all the pictures in Stock Car magazine with you running up and down the, the the track and arms out, and clearly enjoyed it. Clearly enjoyed the moment.
1: I think we'll stop there because it's just uh, <laughs> something in my eye there. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, so thinking about um,
0: you know your stock car career, what's the funniest moment you've had in stock cars?
1: Uh, is- many moments, many, 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 many funny moments. Uh, I could go on for a long. In fact, I could talk an awful lot about stock cars. But I'll tell you what for me was the funniest was, I used to have an old battered truck that I used to drag the stock car around an old bit Ford Beaver tail, and I was coming down the M six M one M six M six M six M one, and uh, got on the M one and there was this there was a huge plume smoke. I mean, it was just like in front, the, it was like a fog on the motorway. It was getting, you know, thicker and thicker and thicker. And I'm like, what on earth is taking place here? And eventually I pulled up <laughs> and I came upon this stock car bus. It was a blue bus. And I, and it was pouring out thick smoke. Do you know, it was Wilf Warnes, and Wilf Warnes in his battered old coach with a stock car in the back. He was a driver, that fella. Uh, when when I pulled it, it was inside the middle of his truck was this potbelly stove that he had going. That's how he kept warm, because it didn't have a heater. And, mm-hmm. and it was just creating... <laughs> I said to him afterwards, was it on fire? He said, no, but it was bloody hot in there, I can tell you, lad. Although, <laughs> world. Yeah, that was... Which isn't a stock car moment, but it is a stock car moment as well. Yeah. You know. he, uh, Wolf
0: Warren's a much a throwback, but brilliant character. Yeah, absolutely. Really. Similarly, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you in stock Arts?
1: Uh, I'll tell you what I think is the weirdest thing. I mean, there's, again, lots of things. But, uh, you know, you, 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 there I am at Venray, right? So I think it was the year I won it at Venray. And uh, this fellow walks up to me and I'm like, hello? And he goes, you, you know me, you know me, right? And I'm like, no idea who you are. And he goes, I make your shock absorbers for the radical. I'm like, what? And it turns out that the guy who, not just for the radical, he does Formula One Grand Prix cars, he does Le Mans cars, he actually builds suspension. He's got his own company, and it's a big company as well, Intrax. And there he was <laughs> turned up to Venray to watch the stock cars. And it's oh, yeah. funny just how many people, you know, uh, who, you know, you'll be at somewhere like, uh, the the Nurburgring uh, racing and people come to you go. I uh, see you in stock cars, lad. You know, you're like brilliant. It's really, it's really lovely. And that's a, yeah. So that's the weird thing to me, where you, the odd places you go yeah. doing racing, and either radical people come to you and go, I watch, uh, I'm a radical, or F1 people come to you and say, you know, so it's that that that, that's yeah. like that
0: do do many people within so like obviously radical circuit racing do many people know about stock and you've alluded to it a bit there but you know in the, in the garages is it kind of a we know about stock
1: cars we just don't go or we go occasionally is, is that a thing that happens i drag quite a lot of the radical drivers to stock car meetings you know i've got a lot of friends of radicals like i do in f1s uh and no very few people know about f1s and that's a real pity i mean there are still a few people who will say as Andy mentioned last week, Gears and Tears. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, most most don't know. And when I show them a picture, they'll go, it's like a tractor, isn't it? You know, and what's that on the roof? The same old story. But when you actually get to the race meeting, they actually get to a, an F1 meeting. They're like, oh, this is proper, this, you know, and really, really enjoy it. So maybe there's a salutary tale in there. for some of the Yeah. OK. It's, yeah, an interesting. Something to think about. Um,
0: so when you were starting out in Formula One, uh, many moons ago, was there a particular driver
1: that you admired at the time? I used to really love seeing the guys, at the who had no money. They were the ones who I was most interested in. Uh, the people who had a, an old banger, they turn up with a a trailer. That's the, that's where I kind of, that's who I'm most identified with. So. Uh, you know, at a Coventry, I'd always go to the far corner where everybody wasn't, you know, and see what was going on there. Uh, in terms of driving standards, I mean, of course, you know, you don't get to see those guys racing. They haven't got the kit in the same way. <clears throat> so was there a driver? Yes, of course there was. There's the, You know, there's the excruciatingly good John Lund. And, of course, yeah. I, was always, uh, I was always blown away by him and what was doing. Uh, I yeah. could add a load of other incredible names to that to, to John's, but he most of all stood out. Okay. Um, in terms
0: of uh, what what do you think uh, is the common misconception people have about you? That's a deep question. <laughs>
1: That's a deep question. <laughs> oh, I know quite a few, trust me. <laughs> uh, I think people think I'm a money driver and I think that they you know, people think I would just turn up with a with a few bob and pay for a really good car, and that's all I care about. You know, uh, and that's not me at all. Uh, as I say, my first bar cost me 400 quid. You know, I, I would buy second off secondhand tyres off of Lundy or or Frankie or anybody else for a fiver. That's how I that's how I started racing. And you know, I what I've always wanted is to level the playing field as much as possible and do that in the cheapest possible way. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, it's an unlimited formula, apparently, although we are limited in all sorts of ways. And I think there's a there's a, there's a dilemma with, within stock cars as to money and how much it's all costing. And you, you touched on it again last week with Andrew and talking about a single, single car. Uh, I think anything we can do, particularly right now, with the economic situation that's going to result from this coronavirus, I think we really, really need to take stock and go... Do we want out of this formula because it's we cannot have just unlimited money being spent, it can't carry on like that, it's so defeating. So,
0: if you had a magic wand type thing, then would you say that a a dual surface car or one car formula is is the way to go to kind of you you know continue the longevity of Formula One stock cars?
1: It's difficult, you know, because I mean, the short answer is yes, the longer answer is, of course, if you have a single form, a single car then what you've got is people who can spend more time than others, swap, switching it between tarmac and shale and, and swapping bits across. And I think it's very difficult to police that. Th- but ultimately, something has to give. It cannot carry on like it is. I don't think that people can afford the sort of level of money that needs to be spent to be competitive in F1 I think the people who can afford that are fewer and fewer, so some, something has to change, you know, the, in radicals the lowest, the, the the sorry, the cheapest, the most competitively priced car is the one that's going into orbit, is the one that's more and more and more people, because they've all got the same kit and it's uh, affordable for many, many people, so that one is the one that's mushrooming, the ones that the, the other end, you know, the, the very expensive radicals, they're not selling like the others, so I think that tells us a tale in itself, you know. We have to look at reducing the cost or or minimising the uh, the cost of, of an F one stock car. I'm afraid, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, just moving away from racing slightly. You're a big Liverpool fan. Um, sometimes you you go with a couple of Formula One drivers. That's right, isn't it? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Stock car drivers, I mean, not like you don't say Lewis Hamilton. You know, you take the proper Formula One. <laughs>
1: No, it's a proper Formula One trap Lewis and all it. No, yeah, I I I went with Frankie uh, a couple of a couple of weeks before the uh, the, before the coronavirus hit. Actually, we we went off to Anfield together. Uh, I'm very fortunate position that I've got access to a couple of three tickets, and Frankie usually takes his kid. One time where a ticket came available, and I only had one spare, and Eugen uh, came along and we had a, a right laugh together. It was very interesting spending time. It's a many many years since Frankie and I have spent time like that away from the racetrack, and uh, it was really nice to reconnect with him in that way. Uh, okay. Good. Um, so thinking about other hobbies. So when you're not when you're not at the racetrack,
0: you're not going to football. Uh, do you have any other hobbies? Do you get time to do anything else?
1: Yeah, I did. I did do my. Uh, I did do my private pilot's license uh, about six months ago, maybe eight months ago. So uh, over the course of a year, I, I learned how to, to fly airplanes, and that's really? what I that's my other thing that I do. I have to say, I don't own a plane, can't afford it, uh, and maybe maybe never will. But it's an incredible experience, massively demanding, a uh, whole new skill set, and a whole new sort of. Uh, set of rules and regulations you have to learn, but very, very exciting and uh, very proud to... Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It must be very tranquil being up above the clouds on your own or with somebody and just... You can go look for
1: stock car tracks, can't you? Way up there, maybe. (laughs) Many! In fact, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you can believe it. I actually make a point, in fact, uh, there's one or two of the people around stock cars who get Regular pictures from me, so the pictures from sort of two thousand feet uh, over yeah. Buxton or over uh, over Northampton or Kings or whatever else. Yeah, and I circle them as well. And I, you know, I will circle the track. That's me going round. I do that at Silverstone as well uh, and, and Donington. So yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. I'm doing it that high, uh, but just very briefly, John, I'll, I will tell you this that I. Uh, I'm also doing my instrument racing at the moment. And there was one time where we, when you're doing instrument racing, you're flying off the instrument, you're not looking out the window. It's, imagine being in cloud or fog or whatever, you can't see. You have to be able to fly the plane and not crash it. Uh, And so we set off and the cloud base was low, about a thousand feet. And I I took off and went into the clouds and kept climbing. And about two and a half, three thousand feet popped out the top of the clouds. And it was now many of us have been in jet aeroplanes where we've gone on top of the clouds. And this was me actually flying it, and I it was I was in control, and it was like, whoa, this was like I just wanted to get out the plane and walk on the clouds because you, you know it's amazing experience. I'm very, yeah. very, very lucky. Yeah, very fortunate, very
0: fortunate. Okay, um, are you all for doing an awards ceremony? So you you're going to decide. So I've got the um, the awards here, and you're going to decide who which driver gets given the award. Are you up for that? Yeah. Go okay. ahead. Good. Right. So the first category is most underrated driver.
1: Oh, don't do that to me. Who's the most underrated driver? Uh, that's hard, Jonathan. Underrated any of the guys who uh, or girls. Who are in? Who are at the lower end of of financial uh, of finances, and are just scraping together enough money to get into a car? Because you know, it's like when I was when back in the day, when I you know getting loans for five for five hundred quid to buy something else, or or you know just running off the uh, cheapo tyres thrown away from Lundy or Wayman, whoever. Uh, when I when I finished up cars, when it's rebels, suddenly it was on a par with everybody because we all had the same kit. Suddenly I was as fast as everybody else, and it's like, so I wasn't such a bad driver at all. Although I could never win a race back in those days, as soon as I got the rebels, I was suddenly winning races against the likes of Ian Higgy and you know uh, uh, who's yeah. Nigel Wharton, you know that that gang. Suddenly I was I was I was on a level playing field. So I would say the underrated ones, the ones who just haven't got the the finances do it on a regular basis with the right kit, because I bet you they're all quick. Okay, I'll accept that, I'll accept that. Um, But for this one, I want a name. Best looking driver. (laughs) Oh dear, Uh, oh, so many. I mean, I could sort you know, I could go through them, couldn't I? I mean, Lee or or Danny or, you know, dan johnson you know uh gosh tim warwick uh, it's gotta <laughs> be what no i mean it it's got to be i'm sorry you're gonna hate me saying this i've already mentioned it once it's ted it's uh frankie Wayman junior 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 <laughs> he's such a sex bot and he knows he knows i think that so it's all right good um funniest driver sarge Okay. Mark Sargent, he's hysterical, he's got no shame, and he's very, very nice guy, yeah, and makes me howl, Blessed. makes me howl.
0: Um, a driver you would take on holiday?
1: <sighs> uh, somebody who talks a lot, oh, Dan, Dan Johnson, Dan Johnson, you'd never shut him up, and I could just kind of... I could put my earphones in and go to sleep if I wanted to, or if I wanted to talk, I could just talk behind legs, legs off a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> very very, and uh, also very funny as well, very funny guy. Um, the hardest driver
0: on track? Right. Ryan. 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 Yeah, no question. So when you see Ryan in your mirrors, are you a bit scared? Uh,
1: <laughs> I'll tell you, what, when I was winning that final on the last, uh, last bend, and he had to go at me, and I saw how close he was. It was quite frightening, but uh, yeah. No, I, 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 you know, I think most of the guys, I think all of the guys have got a, a pretty good clue that you, you know, you no, know, I, I don't have a beef with anybody. So, I or that's as far as I'm aware, anyway. So I don't think people wanting to put me in. Uh, I think if people want, you know, hit me, they're, they're hitting me because I'm in the way, which I often am. No, uh, I don't get scared when Ryan's behind me. Uh, would I be more worried if anybody else were behind me? Not really. No, I think you have to take the, you have to give it out, and you have to take it, and that's that comes with the sport. Okay.
0: Um,
1: and the driver with the best
0: helmet design. You
1: don't. You don't get to see him. You don't get to see him. <laughs> and that's the difference between radical. Sorry, back to radicals. In Radicals, we all have, like, you know, I do. I, I have a, you know, really nice paint job on my helmet because, you know, I'm in an open-top car. Everybody sees it. You never see anybody's helmet in a, in a stock car. It's really sad. So when I go racing in me in my Formula 1 stock car in Ryan's car, I wear one of my old helmets because it's, it's probably been battered about a bit, but I, I know it's not actually on display that much. It's a real pity. And it's a real shame. You know, uh, it'd be great if, before the race, people left the helmets on the cars. You could see what they were then, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for for doing the awards ceremony. I think that was a you know some great great accolades have been given out there. Um, going back to stock car racing a bit more, you had a go on shale uh, in the Sch- uh, Sheffield semi final meeting, ex Andy Smith car. And um, do you prefer racing shale or tarmac Uh,
1: back in the day, shale without a question. uh I adore shale, actually. If if you gave me a choice of you've now got to race either shale or tarmac. Gosh, I shale. Shale's ace. Shale's the nuts, you know. And I've got to say, just by the by, the by, uh, I only had one time, uh, one race in that car, that Andy Smith car, that Mark Gray very very kindly uh, lent me for the for the semi, and it was a great car. It was very kind of Mark but I really missed the fact that I couldn't do a meeting or two or three meetings. I'd really like to see a bit more shale. It's great, great surface. T- tell Ryan,
0: Ryan, Ryan, I'll that for you. Um, I- <laughs> so in terms of, uh, we've talked about circuit racing, stock car racing, so favorite track. So it can either be a circuit or
1: an oval. Uh, oval track. It's got to be Bradford. It's got to be Oddsall. That was an incredible place. Incredible place. I loved it. there. that car, I, I Demolished at uh, the the Ogston car demolished at Coventry. That used to go around on on rails around, uh, around Bradley, incredible uh, racetrack. In radical circuit has to be Imola. Imola is in Italy, amazing racetrack where at Senna died, and it's probably no coincidence that I won a, a, a massive race there in a in a V8 radical, which was a incredible experience. So yeah. So if I, if I had
0: to push you to give me one out of the two, you can race around
1: <laughs> okay. okay, here you go. And this is going to really make a mockery of what I've just said. Spa, <laughs> Spa, Spa-Francorchamps. Spa, Spa in Belgium is the greatest racing track I've ever been to, and I've been to many. It's incredible. Sorry to Bradford, sorry to Coventry, sorry to Imola, <laughs> but the best racetrack in the world is Spa-Francorchamps. End of story.
0: OK, lovely. Um, you, we got there. Um, so thinking of stock cars that are currently racing now, is there one that you particularly admire?
1: Uh, Tom builds incredible cars and they go extremely well. Uh, Andy mentioned uh, last week, he mentioned Nigel's car when Nigel got that wound up and it's a dreadful shame and we all need to look at ourselves that Nigel Green isn't racing like he was. Uh, and I know exactly why that is, and it's a terrible shame. I think what Ryan does with his cars is amazing. The effort and the attention to detail is outrageous. So it's, uh, I know Lee does a good job with it. There are so many people who do great jobs with their cars. I think Tom's cars and Ryan's cars are probably at the very pinnacle of where things need to be. Yeah. So just in terms of,
0: um, so Tom's cars, Ryan's cars, uh, I guess if you went to them, they would. Be- quite expensive to buy um but then we kind of you, you're very much in that we need to lower the cost of the sport so how
1: do you kind of how do you how do you deal with that i guess i mean i'll tell you how you deal with it because i think it wouldn't matter what if if you if you gave them a, a fixed budget and said this you can't cost more than this you know however we would do that however we would release it but you said i don't know 24 build a top you know that their cars the ones that they produced would be outrageous. They would the attention season on both and they would both go incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, I don't wanna just sort of diss Frankie or, or Lee or Dan or anybody else or Peter for any any of those games. I think Ryan Ryan and uh and Tom would would just have that little that little bit of something special, but they'd just find time to put little t- tweaks and then make it make them look and run brilliantly. So yeah.
0: Um, we've talked about and uh, mentioned quite a few sort of top stock car drivers in this conversation so far um, but who are your top three drivers of all time wow uh, uh,
1: you know Lundy, we've already talked about Lundy, Lundy's number one Lundy's number one and I think then you've got to perm any of your Peter Foldings, your Frankie Wayman Juniors, your uh, Stu Smiths, your Andy Smiths uh, any of that gang really and heaven only knows I'm 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 leaving people out. Uh, of though of that gang. Well you can't leave Stuart Smith out of that. So it has to be John Lund Stuart Smith and then you've got one other and it's it's, um, <laughs> it's and or it's Frank here, it's Peter. <laughs> there you go, it's one of them gangs.
0: Yeah. But so we you got your top two are quite clear. Have you got a third one, did you say? Or did
1: you are you kind of not answering the third one? No. Okay. The third, it's too hard because so <laughs> they, they bring so many different things to it. I I suppose if you really push me, it'd be it'd be young Frankie, because you know what he's done over the years, the time and the effort and the work and the commitments and everything else he's put in, I don't know how I don't know how else you could measure that young young Frankie five one five. Yeah, amazing. Thanks. So your
0: number one driver is John Lund. Uh, yep. Have you ever been to his house? <laughs> yes, I've been
1: to John's house. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and very nice it is too. It makes a nice cup of tea well and that anyway. Did he, and what's he, he got? Lots of cows? Did you look at the cows when you were there? Yes. Uh, one of my closest friends has a dairy farm, so I was very keen on the cows, but uh, I didn't look at... No, if I'm honest, I didn't look at the cows. As, <laughs> as we looked at the cars, we talked stuck cars. That's what we did. Uh, very nice one. <laughs> Very, very nice, knowledgeable, funny, dry guy. Very good.
0: Brilliant. Um, so we've talked about animals, but do you have a favourite animal?
1: All animals. I adore all animals. It, it's fair, it's probably closer, more accurate to say there are two that I'm less keen on. I don't particularly, I don't particularly like crabs. I <laughs> <laughs> in any form. And I don't particularly, I don't particularly like jellyfish. But outside of those two, I love all animals. Cats are probably number one, but it's okay. I love all animals. I adore them. If I could have one animal, it would probably be a squirrel. Okay, and and a cat. And a cat. And a cat. Okay, Brilliant.
0: it's like a relationship in heaven. Um, <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, well, it's going to be something dull and boring like world peace. That's not, that's, a, that's a massive superpower. That's huge. I like world. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the best and worst thing
1: about stock cars? The best thing about stock cars is the supporters. It's the people. The people around stock cars and then not just the supporters, the drivers as well. Uh, but it's a, it's one big family. And I think we really underrate the importance of supporters and we don't give them enough of our time and effort. And, you know, at the end of this coronavirus, I really see, uh, you know, a massive effort being put in to say, like, right, it's a fibre entry for the next five meetings. We need to get people back. We need to re-enthuse people. Uh, because without spectators, there's nothing. There's no sports. I don't believe there's any sport. I don't believe there's any formula One stock cards, that's for sure. Or certainly not in its current form. Uh, so, yeah, the, 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 people, the people around it, and most importantly, the spectators. Uh, yeah. The likes of Mike's dad, Carol Bell. You know, there's the, the millions, I could, I could name a, a 150 spectators who we all know and love and, you know, and around all the time. Uh, they're, they're the centre of the universe to me. They're great. Yeah. Worthwhile. Worst thing about F1s, uh, the pain the pain, it hurts an awful lot. And when I race, uh, if I've had one, uh, you know, somebody give me a, a good hit, uh, then I'll, I'll probably be, you know, hobbling around for, for a week or so afterwards. And But uh, hey-ho, shit happens. I'm allowed to say that. Just yeah, did.
0: yeah, you did. Um, but you know, like so you said, we, we spoke about uh, Ryan and your mirrors and are you scared? You said it's kind of no. But then if you kind of know you're going in the wall and it's going to work, does that not make you think twice about being in a stock car? Uh,
1: not going in the wall, no. I think going in the wall backwards is a lot worse. Uh, but, you know, if somebody's behind you, you can see a Wacky going forward. It's not so bad, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The pain, the pain has an effect, uh, and I'm not any younger. You know, I'm now, I'm now at the dizzy heights. I'm almost going to be thirty shortly. Thirty, uh, <laughs> and wishes for the triangle
0: then.
1: The pain does hurt, uh, but it doesn't stop me. Okay, okay. So we least me on
0: to my last question. So we didn't see you on track in 2019. So assuming that we're back on track racing in 2020, do you think we'll see you in a stock car again this year? Uh, the
1: now everything's going to be shortened, and I, you know, I've got there is there will definitely be, assuming racing restarts, there will definitely be sixteen radical meetings that I will have to go to. Uh, it'll be difficult to see myself in a stock car this year, but I wouldn't rule it out for two thousand and twenty-one at all. Brilliant,
0: Roger. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to do this.
1: Um, stay safe, and uh, I'm sure I'll speak to you soon. Well, just before you go, John, I do need to say thanks to anybody who's bothered to watch this far. It must have been extremely tedious for you. There's nobody stock car driver, ex-stock car driver, who, who occasionally makes a, a, a foray onto the racetrack. But before I go, Jonathan. No, please, please. You know, one of the problems about being interviewed is that the person who has all the power in this is the interviewer. They choose the questions and they make sure. You know, they they choose how the whole so you goes. So I'm just going to turn the tables a little bit. You and I have known each other a while. It's first yeah. say. Yeah. And so I'd just like to ask you a couple of questions. I'd like to interview very briefly. So starting, <laughs> uh, starting quite simply, what's your job? Um, I'm a store manager for Saint. You're a store manager, where, sorry. For Sainsbury's Sainsbury's whereabouts uh, in Nottingham in Nottingham okay uh is it very very interesting times for you at Sainsbury's at the moment it's an in, it's an incredibly interesting time for me at the moment yes and you don't just
0: you don't just stack shelves do you and push trolleys mm. around no I, I collect trolleys from the car park when they get blown away by the wind that's my main task on a day-to-day basis but obviously with the coronavirus i have to use my d10 solution to clean the handles before i can let another customer use them
1: that's what i'm doing mostly now now next how long have you been going to stock car racing what goes uh, since, since i was four since you were four and now you're oh as old as you roger <laughs> <laughs> since you where was your first meeting john uh long Eaton. long Eaton, what a track that was yeah. uh, what got you interested in stock cars?
0: Uh, my dad and my granddad both took me, which was lovely to do something with my dad and my granddad once a month at Long Eaton, It's perfect. Fabulous, okay. Who, what
1: do, does your dad have any role
0: in stock cars? My dad thinks he's in charge of stock cars at stock car meetings. Uh, drivers may think a difference to that, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and, um, has he got a title apart from what a lot of people, what people call it? Uh, he's the meeting steward Meeting Stewart, but his name's not Stewart.
0: No, Steve. Steve. And no, not Steve Bree. Steve Abbott. Yeah, there's two oh, okay. Steves.
1: Are they very similar in any other way?
0: Uh, <laughs> Size, shape,
1: many, many. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, okay, <laughs> right, right. Next, 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 Shush now. Your favorite driver. I put, uh, uh, Obviously, it's got. To, it's got to be present company excluded. Uh, Jotland, without a doubt. Who is your favorite? fan? oh
0: that's a very good question. Um there's lot I I just think anybody who goes to a stock car meeting and, and pays to go in and enjoys it and goes home again, yeah yeah, yeah that I couldn't not I can have a particular one I'm afraid. That's cool and dandy. What about your daughter? Does she count? Uh I, so yeah she loves stock she likes waving at stock cars. That's her that's her thing. Who's yeah. best back at her? Best waving back. Oh, Bradley Harrison's very good. Uh, Chris Powell is very good. Yeah, um, Phoebe's very good. But she adores Phoebe. She's like a big Phoebe fan. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say Phoebe if, if pushed. We're all Phoebe
1: fans. Uh, simple question: Smith or Weinman? Ooh. See, before uh,
0: last week, I'd have gone, <laughs> I'd have gone, uh, Frankie Wayman, but uh, I did like Andy Smith's interview. So, uh I don't know, still Wayman probably. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's a lovely lad though, Andy and so yeah. He's he is very good. He's as, lovely. As, yeah, as is Stuart, yeah. Uh you who's the best driver? Let's, the best take driver? Lund- Let's take Lundy out of the story best current driver and not Lundy. Uh Tom. Tom. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. Tom. What's your favourite racetrack, John?
0: Uh, Coventry, uh, of old, um now um, Cowdenbeath when they go and race at Cowdenbeath.
1: Because I've never, I've never raced there. I've gone, no, because...
0: I just think, yeah, I just think they're going so fast and they're so close to that wall, and it's just incredible. And it's a, an old style stadium, it's like a proper amphitheater for stock cars, and I just think it's an amazing experience to watch them go around there.
1: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, when you talk about being close to the wall and how fast they're going around there. I, m- I remember. You know, uh, I was watching a race with Ryan at, at Northampton. I was Northampton. Yeah, I was Northampton. I was racing at, and I was in his, uh, his racing there. And I, and and I was watching. We were both watching the next race that I, I, I obviously I wasn't in it, and uh, see the F1s coming down the back straight there, and like they're brushing. And you're like, and I said, I turned around. I, I was like, do I go that fast? And he's like, you won the last bloody race. He must be going that fast. And it's like. Gosh, that is quick. That really is quick. It's funny, isn't it? How it is. the sensations yeah. inside the car are very, very near. Uh Who in Formula One stock cars has got the best beard?
0: Best beard? Best beard. Driver or supporter? You choose. Well, driver is Jeff Nichols and supporter is Mike Stead. He's his beard's down here. I have beard envy. I can't even talk to him now because his his beard's too good. Yeah, it's an incredible
1: beard. Do you want to be Jeff Nichols or Mike Stead? Uh, <laughs> Jeff Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if- You won the lottery. I won the lottery tomorrow. Billion pounds in me hand. And I give it to you. Will you race an F1 for a season? No, I'm too scared. They scare me. Yeah. You're on a desert island. You're stranded. Three current stock car drivers, present company excluded. Um Ooh, John Lund,
0: he, he, just because the guy is just amazing. I can't even talk to him. So uh, at least if I'm on desert island with him, I'd be forced into talking to him because um, I've got to. Uh, Bobby Griffin, I think he's lovely. I think he's amazing, uh, an amazing guy. Um, and um, I very much enjoyed talking to Kelvin Hassel at the
1: Motorsport Lattitude <laughs> Show. He was a very funny guy. So, yeah, very. those three, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Jonathan, I'd like to thank you for your time. You want to stay safe during this coronavirus. Look after everybody at Sainsbury's on those tro- chopping trolleys. And I look forward to seeing you around the racetracks, hopefully when this is all over and it's all died down. Cheers, Roger. Thank you very much. You too. bye